Hello and welcome to a special summer bonus episode of YXC Underground. I'm your host, Eric Anderson. I hope you're having a great summer so far and are managing to stay cool in what has been a sweltering summer here in Saskatoon. As a redhead, I've been wearing plenty of sunscreen when venturing outside. I wanted to share with you today a conversation I had a few weeks ago with a really amazing young man named John Langan. John is a member of the Canadian military and the Saskatoon Police Service, and on July 21st, he will make his debut as an author. It's a memoir entitled Ishkosis Tipiskak. It is a remarkable look at his life, the role of Indigenous spirituality and culture in his life, the impact of residential schools on his family, and the role Indigenous peoples can play in our country's future. In the last few months, we have all been reminded of the terrible atrocities committed on Indigenous peoples across Canada. The discoveries of unmarked graves on the grounds of residential schools in Kamloops, B.C. and Cowes' First Nation here in Saskatchewan are a terrible legacy of colonization that will impact Canadian society for generations to come. It's something John and I discuss in our conversation and how his book can further that conversation. John is a joy to speak with. He's charismatic, he's kind, passionate, and determined to bring about change in so many different ways. You will hear him laugh lots in our conversation, but as he explains, don't let that fool you in thinking he is not serious about his role as a leader in his community. It's simply a way he manages the trauma and pain he encounters and feels. John and I met for coffee here in Saskatoon on a Sunday morning and covered a lot of ground in just a half hour, probably because he's he's just so darn easy to speak with. We talk about why he wanted to write a memoir right now and what he hopes to accomplish with his book. We also discuss how it connects to the tragic news coming out of Kamloops and Cowessis. Now, before we begin, I want to warn you that we bring up some very difficult subjects and John shares some deeply personal and heartbreaking stories. If any of these stories are triggering for you, please know that supports are available for anyone affected by the lingering effects of residential schools and those who are triggered by what is happening in Canada right now. The Indian Residential School Survivors Society can be contacted toll-free at 1-800-721-0066. A National Indian Residential School Crisis Line has also been set up to provide support for former students and those affected. You can access emotional and crisis-referred services by calling the 24-hour National Crisis Line at 1-866-925-4419. Finally, I would like to acknowledge that this interview was done on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. Thank you again to John for sharing his story on the podcast. So what I said in the language was hello in uh, Cree, Soto, and Dene. Tanteo no correction, Otseniakiskus First Nation. Wapastem Nitsigasun. Agayasemo Nitsigasun John Langan. So I said my native name is Whitehorse, Wapastem, and my English name is John Langan. And what I do is, uh, I'm a proud father, I'm a proud husband. Uh, though th- that's the main thing that I want to define me as being a person who carries on our culture, who carries on our language. But on the other side, I'm also a police officer with the Saskatoon Police Service for almost four years now on July 27th. And I've also been with the Canadian Armed Forces for 13 years. 
I think this is my 14th year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you're an author. Yes, now, <laughs> now, uh, now I'm an author. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the thing I have to pinch myself with all this hard work that I'm doing. Yeah, I can call myself an author now. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, we're looking at the book right now. Um, can you, can you describe the cover for me? Yeah. Uh, so back in October of last year, uh, on Halloween, I I I had it in my head what I wanted to do. And what the what the cover is is like uh, split into three. It was a first thought that I had, but the main thing I wanted was to show how my spirituality and my identity of who I am as an indigenous person kind of keeps me centered with everything that I do. Um, so in in the middle of it is me and my powwow regalia, and then on the on the left side is my police uniform, and then on the right side is my army uniform. I'm in my full in my full fighting order which is just kind of like your, what you wear into combat. So I have all those three things incorporated into one photo. And yeah, it's a very powerful, very powerful photo that I got done that I had in my mind from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how, how um, like when you say it came to you, like on, on Halloween of all days too, like what, do you know how it came to you? Because it, it's a really powerful image. And I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but like it's it's a striking cover, John. Yeah, that's the first thing I had in my mind. Well, I, when people say they don't judge a book by its cover, no, people do. And that's what I had in my mind from the very beginning. And I would constantly do presentations with Canadian Armed Forces uh, when you go recruiting. And with Saskatoon Police Service, my son and me would do cultural presentations in the morning. And then because I wanted to share who I was, because with both of my jobs, I'm not afraid of who I am. That's the main thing uh, that, that I also want to communicate is I'm proud of who I am. Uh, I'm proud from that. I'm from Treaty 4 territory. And before we get going even more, I want to acknowledge also that we're on Treaty 6 territory, also homeland of the First Nation and homeland of the Métis. Uh, myself, I'm from Treaty 4 territory. I'm part of the Bear Clan from Kiskus First Nation. That's part of the clan system with the Ojibwe people of Canada. Um, yeah, so with the book there, I just kind of, you know, with that cover, I just had it in my mind because there was a lot of culminating things as I was doing these presentations, as I would tell stories because I've been abducted like three times when I was a child. I, uh, uh, I prevented a murder from happening. I witnessed drugs, like all these stories that I would tell people, which is a common indigenous experience that happens here in Saskatchewan and even in the Prairie provinces. Uh, people just kept saying, you should write a book, you should write a book, you know? And then I would just be like, meh, no, no. Like the, uh, these presentations are good enough. Um, and then one, there was a combination of all these things that kind of made me want to write it, I guess. Uh, I would have people give me hugs after I'm done presentations and they would tell me really dark things of the things that they experience as well. And I kind of have to swallow my tongue and be like, yeah, yeah, you know, but it's like a common indigenous story that happens across all of our prairie provinces here and possibly even Canada. That's why I'm hoping to kind of open up a platform for everybody to start talking, eh? Um, yeah, and then uh, there's this one YouTube video that I watched from the Saskatchewan Indian Cultural Center and it's from a late outer, her name's Pauline Pelly. But I found out she was related to me on on my father's side. And like, she's very closely related to me. And my mom said, no, you're, you're related to her. But in that video, she says, um, something needs to be done now 
not not in the future something needs to be done now to have a language to have a culture to have a spirituality that's what our people need right now because we don't have that identity right now so that's why i wrote this and when i tell my wife that i'm gonna do something i'm like i'm gonna write a book because we're going uh, up to her uh, reserve to go for turkey day and she and she looked back at me because she knows once i put my mind to things she's like i know you are john and i'm going to be putting up with everything <laughs> that you're doing <laughs> so i so after that yeah i just i got coached by an awesome person his name is kendall netmaker he's a really good friend of mine he's a ceremonial brother of mine as well and he 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 coaches people on how to run their businesses so me so in the back of my mind i was like what's this guy's scheme or his blood like <laughs> is he gonna end up charging me for this he's like no no he's like john like you're a friend of mine he said don't worry about one thing and everything that he told me to do i did because i have a military background so if i get told something like i don't just do it blindly but um i did everything he told me he's like just write just write so i wrote like 220 pages in like two weeks yeah on microsoft word whatever yeah i just kept going because it was always in my head because i always had that roadmap from all these presentations that i did so i always had it in the back of my head like all the stories and then even more came out like there's so much that's not in this book that i cut from it but yeah 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 with the presentations that you were doing um a couple questions based on that uh, the first would be what like what, what would you discuss in the presentations? And then why was it important to have your son there as well? Um, inside of those presentations, what I would explain is my story for, for people I didn't know. But like for people that I did know, like with the Sassoon Police Service, I would speak about all of our ceremonies that we have because everybody kind of has these thoughts in their head for our culture that we have because I even worked at the Open Door Society. Uh, so I worked with immigrant men and women and their concept of how indigenous people look in Canada is like in full power regalia with long hair. So then when they get here, you're just like, we're the indigenous people. So that's what I want to share is we have so much more ceremonies. We have sun dances, rain dances, surf dances. We have shaking tents, night lodges, sweat lodges, chicken dances, horse dances. There's uh, medicine bundle dances, there's, uh, there's medicines, pipe ceremonies, and they're so unique in every single reserve you go to. They each have their own way of how they do it. But growing up, I just kind of fell flat on my face and kept going to these lodges growing up, eh, traveling from place to place, just so in case in the future they were lost, I would remember how they looked and how they did things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with with your son there as well why why was it important to have him there so my son there i got him started since he was three years old he started helping putting up sun dances and all that since he was that age uh, he wanted to do it i ne i never wanted to force anything because that's the number one thing in her in her spirituality is it's up to you like it's not forced upon anybody or anything like that eh? so so my son was very important even the title of the book is just that's my son's native name is Iskoches because the previous title was resiliency my nose above water but that word is being used too much so I said okay what can I do I was praying honestly when I was laying in bed and I was looking at my son who has nice long hair we didn't cut it yet and I said you know what I'm gonna name it after my son even though he's nine years old at the time in the future he's gonna appreciate that I did that day eh? so so yeah so with my son there he's he's starting to speak the language with me 
we we practice it at home. Yeah, we're going to a sweat right after this, and he helps me sing. He 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 knows a lot for his age. There's this even this one sweat we went to where he was telling like a 30 year old men, 40 year old men, what to do. Is. <laughs> yeah, but no, he's he's a very smart young young boy and. And whenever I take them to stuff like to the to my culture presentations, people say things like, "That's a leader." If I ever saw one, like he's not afraid to talk to uh, police officers, like in full uniform. <laughs> yeah, because when you went there, you just kind of. For those of you who don't understand Creed, what I said is my name is Little Fire, and I said hello and good morning to you. <laughs> how does that make you feel when he when he's just you know, telling people how it is? It. It makes me feel good because it's all this hard work that I put into both my children. Um, it's just all this hard work is finally starting to pay off because I got educated very well, like not with schooling, even though I have a lot of schooling, um, but just growing up with my parents, you know, and, and my dad was one of the main ones that taught me a lot of things. He acknowledged... Um, because both my parents are residential school survivors and my mom went to day school and my dad went to residential school and it, if you watch a movie called Indian Horse or read the book that was the same residential school that my dad went to yeah so so my dad he knew he acknowledged that he didn't have the parenting skills to parent us he acknowledged that but he said I'm gonna try my best my boy he said so just know that you have a generational gap of people who don't know how to be parents they don't know how to show their children love and how they deal with their problems is what we see today with alcohol and drugs all those things so as a kid grows up and they observe those things that's how they're going to deal with their problems in the future so that's the kind of stuff i can go into depth in my book there and you know i'm really glad that i wrote about that stuff because everything i owe to my parents and to my grandparents and to my previous generations all of their trials and tribulations that they went through is a result of showing how resilient our people are and why I'm here today. Yeah. I, I, I was just thinking though that that was really that was really courageous of your dad to to say that just to be so honest yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. No, my dad was a very smart man, very smart man. Um, even when he went to residential school, like he he kept everything in his past away from us and. As, as I grew up to be a man more, he, he started to explain more to me. Because he always told me, he said, the Creator gave you a mind to think, my, my boy, use it. He said, you're going to hear a lot of things in the future. You're, you're going to hear all these old people teach you things, he said. But it's up to you to make it through this life honestly. And whatever makes sense to you, that's what you do, as long as you have your relationship with the Creator. Yeah. When when you were writing this, John, was it um, like were there moments where it was it was hard to put what was you know in your mind and in your heart onto you know onto the screen onto the page? Yeah, it was really hard. Uh, like once I was done those first two hundred twenty pages, like I I wrote those in a couple of weeks, but like just hard. Like I was laughing, I was crying, I was like every kind of emotion. Like it's just crazy because the main thing when it comes to memoirs or anything like that is you can't talk about yourself you can't just be me 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 i i i i so i acknowledge my family beforehand in their history so i started with my mom because uh, i come from a family of five boys and i'm the youngest of five uh so my mom endured a lot of domestic violence like a lot because in the beginning i lost my father to suicide when i was four years old 
And then my dad that I'm currently talking about, I lost him six years ago to drug use. So all these things, you know, like it was, it was very hard to write. But um, you'll, you'll, you'll notice I'll laugh a lot just because that's kind of how I healed from things. Like as I was working with my editor from Arizona, he was like, John, this is not a funny story because there were stories I had where it was super violent. But me and my brothers would laugh about it, eh? Like, we would laugh about these stories. And he's like, John, that's not funny to the average reader. That's that's not going to be funny to them. I said, but that's how we heal, eh? Like, uh, like, like me and my brothers and my family, all the stories we went through, in my mind at the time as I'm growing up, that's normal to me. But then as I grow up and do my job and, you know, like, when I patrol these streets and all that, I'm like, this is exactly how I grew up, you know? And even though it's a little more or a little less, I'm like, it's normal to me, you know. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's been an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, John, that's so. Th- that conversation with your editor is so interesting, though, because it's it's um, you know, like you said, th- this is how you you deal with things, you cope with things. But at the same time, too, then you have someone like a, a, an outside reader commenting on this. Like, how? That's really interesting. Like, how do you ba- how did you balance that as an author? Because like you want to you want to be truthful to yourself, and yet like the editor said like you know there's what's going to go through the reader's mind like the, yeah, yeah. oh there's a lot there john <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, so the guy that i hired he's really good he specialized in memoirs and then even as he did this edit he was like make sure you have a person from saskatchewan read it because i'm not local to that area make sure you have an army person read it make sure they go through it make sure you have a police person read through it so just with the kind of questions he asked like yeah, like I started to take a step back because I thought I could bang this book out real fast, but no, there's there, there's a lot of attention and detail that you got to pay attention to. So as I went through those stories, he would help me. He would, okay, put us in your shoes how this felt just so you can help us understand. Like show, don't tell. So just make sure as you walk through these pages, put us in your shoes. Help us understand what's going through your mind so we can further understand because this book's going to do great he said so he once he knew there was a lot of people reading it like there was a lieutenant governor there was a bunch of authors that were reading it and i think he really st- st- stepped his game up as well <laughs> yeah 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 um i wanted to ask you about language um and the importance of language in terms of of celebrating preserving culture um wh- why is why is language so important to you john I know when it comes to um, English, it's it's so easy to speak. Like even to this day, I'm speaking language. I don't know. I'm speaking English to you right now, and that just goes back to show these effects of these residential schools. Eh? Like even with my uncles. Like I just thought about this last night because I was trying to think of more things that I would say to the media and all that. Eh? And like even with my uncles, as I was trying to learn the Soto language, which is a dialect of Ojibwe, I would go and visit them, eh? and they would flinch. So when I would ask them how to say a word, they would, they would flinch because when they were in residential school, they would get strapped there, eh? or else they had to hold their hands out and they would get hit on the fingers, eh? Um, and even with their culture, like when my mom was in day school, when we had our sun dances, because we use like bone whistles, eh? So, so once you have about 30 people, 30 to 50 people blowing at the same time, you can hear it a long ways away, eh? So they open up the doors to the day school and they'd be like, come inside children, they're talking to the devil. So that was ingrained in their mind, uh, you know, like that, that that it's wrong. So with my uncles, they would flinch because they they were so scared to speak the language, and they uh, they would acknowledge it too. Eh? They'd be like, "Oh, sorry, there are enough you, you know, I'm just, 
it's just in my mind to always do that it's just like a like a twitch all the time eh? and just so many stories that that my that my dad went through too like like him he got a hockey stick in the summertime when he went home because you were allowed to go home for two months in the summertime eh? and he got a hockey stick and they had a hockey program at his residential school in Manitoba but he got beat black and blue with that hockey stick eh? because my dad's kind of a rebel because he had to get good marks to be in a hockey program and all that day eh? so he got beat black and blue with that hockey stick and he said that's the last day that I l let a man ever beat me up so then he left school when he was 13 he became a logger and and then uh, then from there he became he joined the army then from there he uh, became a journeyman welder after that and then uh, yeah and then he transferred all that work ethic onto me eh? yeah 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 <laughs> um, is it is it encouraging for you though to see like I'm just thinking in Saskatoon and I and I think of you know some of the the Cree language programs that are happening at you know in in elementary and you know like grade eight and nine range when when you see programs like that happening John is is that encouraging to you yes yes it is like uh, I'm starting to see more even my wife was talking about some other stuff that are people starting to take it upon themselves to start teaching language because you got to remember there's there there is a lot of people but they're in the older generation that do speak the language but at the same time um, you got to remember that they have a lot of traumas too in speaking that language because even my mother-in-law and my father-in-law both speak it but you know like uh, I'm always talking with them but it, at the same time I'm trying to be respectful eh? and then me I, uh, I learned the most going to ceremony when I see it how it's used because like um, like uh, just being anything you know just seeing actions behind the language eh? like uh, picking up a coffee like those are the kind of things you kind of got to associate because I have all the books I probably have every single Cree language <laughs> book that was made uh, and even with this book I got um, uh, I got uh, First Nations University of Canada to, to go over all my Cree so just to make sure it was right because you have a lot of good speakers but most of them don't know how to write it so so I'm learning how to write it down as well eh? so very important because in the language it's spiritual itself in it, there's that, that that's like half the battle when it comes to our culture and language, you know, to, to our culture and spirituality. It's in the language. Everything there's some concepts that you can't even put into English. Yeah. So even when I go to ceremonies and stuff, when they translate for people, it's like lying because they're trying their best to piece everything together just to make sure that it's passed on correctly. Eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really hitting me, John. Just for from speaking with you, like there. Would it be fair to say that you felt a lot of responsibility? writing this book uh yeah that's what i thought about eh? like um as i was talking to my other police buddies and stuff they're like do you think you like what your purpose is on this earth i'm like i honestly think it's to write down everything like like to like to write all of our ceremonies because with my book like maybe one third of it is just spirituality because it's because it's broken down to two parts eh? but i could speak for days on spirituality I can speak for days on our culture, our language, everything. Like it's just nonstop, and you're, I'm always constantly learning. The way I kind of put it is a like kindergarten to, to university. So where I'm at right now is probably like grade six or seven, and there's so many people that like there's so much knowledge out there, so much. So I was like, okay, most of these young people don't even know how to approach an old person. They don't know how to approach a person who has knowledge. So what are we going to do about it? So I was like, me, I was like, okay. Hey. People always 
complain about stuff and so I'm like what can I do about it I'm gonna do something about it so I was very afraid when I wrote this because over old people would like right away uh, an alarm goes off in her head once they hear people that write down our stuff yeah yeah because we were warned long ago that um, our ceremonies and stuff would be used wrong yeah so th that's why you kind of hear of sweats were like uh, like a person passed and inside but those were people who did not qualify or did not go through the proper steps on how to do things and, and how to be respectful and you know and so so I I took those into consideration before I wrote it eh? and before I even started this I made sure I followed the proper protocol I gave gifts I made ribbon shirts I did painting because I paint too uh, I, uh, I, I did a lot and I went to ceremony and I bought all these giveaways and I know I'm kind of speaking past but which explains in my book I ask our spirits or for people to understand in English ancestors because they come into these ceremonies and they speak to us. Uh, so I asked them, I said, I want to write a book, but I want to write down our ceremonies in it. And the answer I got was, write what's on your mind, grandchild. So, so from there, I'm like, okay. So basically everything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so, uh, so I wrote down as much as I could. And, uh, and then I asked again, I said, is everything okay? They're like, yeah. So then I wrote it with my teacher. Um, I wrote it with my many other teachers that I had. And all these old people that I thought would be against it. Like, these are people who are like, well, 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 well respected. Um, and, and in the beginning, they had the alarm, but once they heard me start talking, they're like, no, this is going to be a beautiful thing. So now I have all these old people who are standing beside me, and they're so excited for it to come out. Like even my cookum from Mokanis, um, she always wanted to do this before she passed. Eh? So once I told her, once it was all done already, <laughs> like, uh, she's like, John, if I could jump up, I would jump up right now. Yeah, yeah. She's like, uh, she's like, I can't wait to read it. So she read the rough copy, and she's like, no. Uh, this is awesome because she always thought I probably wasn't paying attention eh? <laughs> so, so so for all the time she was teaching me so so now it's just kind of a validation that I was paying attention to her that I was paying attention to my other teachers and even the most strictest elders that I thought would be against me no they're like they're just so happy that I'm doing this they're so happy that I'm doing it so I'm like hey okay good 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 <laughs> yeah it's you know it, it must feel good on, on one hand to you know have an editor in, in Arizona give it the, the the check mark but to have like you said um, people that you respect and love so much give their approval how does that make you feel it feels really good because at the end of the day that's all that matters to me um, it just it's it's an overwhelming feeling like even with the army and with a uh, police you know they're 120 percent behind me like they're uh, they're part of my launch army so <laughs> uh, so once my book comes out they're like gonna put all these reviews on Amazon and just so we can trick the Amazon algorithm to, for people to, so, I love that you have a launch army yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I spoke to this lady from Los Angeles because uh, she does the marketing and book stuff and I watched all of her videos and along with Kendall and she's like John I could easily trick you and say yes you do need us and you could pay for me but she's like no You've, you've done everything right. She's like, I have no worries about this book at all. Um, the, the cover is awesome. She's like, I have no worries whatsoever. She's like, I'm going to be watching your book. She's in, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the timing of your book, I think, is really important, too, with, with everything that is happening, not only within Canada, but specifically this 
um, this province. Um, John, I'm wondering if, if you have any thoughts in terms of, of you know, when your book is, is coming out and, and maybe how it ties in with, with what we've seen in Kamloops and what we've seen at, at, at Kawasis as well. Uh, so on July 21st, 2021 is when my book comes out. Uh, it times just right with everything that comes out. And I'm so happy that I wrote about residential schools. Um, I go into detail of, of, of my parents' stories, and I received her permission as well. Um, and I'm so happy that I wrote about it because it's such a dark page in our history. And even as I went to university and stuff, you know, I was like, how come there's not much more recognition to this, eh? So I'm glad that I got my university education and I taught myself how to present myself in words. Um, and I'm so happy because that's so dark what happened. Even the ceremony that I'm going to this afternoon, it's for these little children that are lost right now. Um, I can go into a couple of stories that will help you kind of understand more of what I'm doing. Uh, I, I worked part-time with the election in Saskatchewan back in 2011, 12, and I, I would just kind of go to Indigenous communities and encourage them to vote. And, uh, and I would get involved with the community. So I went up to Beauval, and uh, they were having a TRC, so the Truth and Reconciliation Commission event there for all the residential school survivors and that. And they were having a sweat there. And I, I, I knew that old person that was running that lodge. Eh? So, so I went in there, and, um, and I know I'm kind of speaking past to most of your listeners right now. But in that ceremony... We were on the site of where a uh, where uh, where a residential school burned down, eh? And when we're in that lodge there, they they said there's a bunch of children that are all around the sweat right now, and they're hungry. And there's also priests and nuns that are also around them as well. If there's anybody in here that can put on a feast for these children to help them move on to the other side, can can anybody do that right away? Everybody volunteered inside, eh? So we so we stopped to sweat it and we put on a feast right away came back eh? and those children they you could hear them they were just happy eh? and and then um and i'm just passing on the message what happened in there but uh those, those children were allowed to move on but those priests and nuns that were there they said no you guys stay here because they were hungry too eh? yeah um so now what i'm doing this afternoon is and i know i'm going deep but uh in our culture we have little people uh, the, Mimi Gueso, which is uh, elves, basically, if you want to put it in English. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're like the little people. So they look after the children. They help the children. So what I'm doing is I'm putting on a sweat for them, for these little kids in residential school. So I had to get them little gifts. So I had to get, like, tiny little combs because they use small things, eh? So, so I got, like, I went to antique shops. And even a couple of days ago, I went to, like, antique shop going to Yorkton and and like I was just like I was meant to go there because he had a bunch of little things. Yeah, I had little cups, little plates, little tiny everything. Eh? And I kind of opened up to him about my book there, and he was just helping me look everywhere for them. Eh? And then I went to antique shops here, so I'm getting all those things because uh, little people like candies, they like shiny things, they like things that are their size and all that too. Eh? So I got all of that there, and I'm putting on a lodge today for them as well, just to help them go to the other side as well. Eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah what, what will so when when you when you go this afternoon um like what 
It's a really big question, John. But yeah, like, what, yeah. what, what will it, what will it mean to you, to 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 be there and and to host this? It's a big thing because I can't imagine how strong my Tapanak, so that's my great grandparents and my Kukum and Mushums and my Notawe, Nigawe, so my mum, my dad, you know, like all the things they went through, you know, and even for the kids that didn't get there. And I know I'm saying something big right now, but there's there's a lot of things that are still hidden right now because even as I wrote this book, there's one story that I kind of kept out of there. It's so dark, and even me, when I try laugh at stuff and all that, this one I can't really laugh. But like there's incinerators that are at those residential schools. And I had personal people that I knew that had to throw their babies in there. So, you know, it means a lot. Because those furnaces, they're, they're newborn babies, and you get thrown right in there. Eh? Not even a chance at life. So, so I'm glad that I'm speaking about residential school. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, there's there's lots of stories like that of uh, of babies being thrown into incinerators. So, in light of those unmarked graves, just imagine how many got burnt up. Eh? Yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 really glad that I'm doing this today. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna feed all those babies and kids there so they can go on. But inner belief, so this is what kind of makes me feel better. When they're when they're new like that, when they're newborn, when 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 they pass on like that, they go straight to the good place, straight like straight there, right away. So that's good. But I'm going to make sure today that I'm going to ask our ancestors and our spirits that, uh, just to make sure everything's going good with them. But uh, I'm so glad that I'm doing that. And I'm so glad that I spoke about it in my book. And yeah, it's going to be a beautiful thing. And it's going to be a chapter of healing. And yeah, it's uh, <laughs> usually I'm always laughing. But but with that one, it's like it hits close. Eh? So yeah. yeah, there's lots of stories and there's lots of old ladies that I ran into that had to do that. Then they opened up to me. and But I won't give their names or anything or even from my own personal family. But yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you telling yeah. that story. Um, John, I, I think what, what you've done here and, I, and I, you know, just spending a little bit of time with you, it's, it's, it's obvious how... Um, how high character you are, and how kind and caring a person you are, um, and and I and I can't wait to 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 read your book to and to learn so much about you and and your family and and about so many other things. Um, I'm I'm wondering and and this um, you know because you've been generous with your time and so last question for you is is there something, John, that um, you really hope readers take away from your book? Just a common understanding, like just just to make that foundation because I think this is the perfect time because it, if we create this strong foundation with our relationship that we have as Indigenous people and with people of Canada, I think once you start to understand how beautiful our culture is, how beautiful our spirituality is, then that common understanding will come and then it's just all about communication. That's one thing I was taught in the army was communication. It's the most important thing in the world. It doesn't matter if it's with your wife. It doesn't matter if it's with your girlfriend or with your kids or with your job or with your work. Just make sure you communicate properly and everything will work out fine. So, yeah, I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wish you nothing but the best of luck 
with um, with the book. The fact that you have a launch army, I think, is going to uh, <laughs> propel you to great places. It was so nice to meet you, um, and congratulations on everything. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, my book's going to be available on my website at www.sparkinadark.com. Uh, it's going to be available on Amazon. It's going to be available at local bookstores in Saskatoon, Regina, Prince Albert. It's also going to be on reserve gas stations. Uh, those ones are a little bit harder to convince, but I bring around my book now. Um, yeah, and uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an ebook. It's going to be on Audible. It's going to be on Apple, whatever their Audible is there. <laughs> but it's going to be all different kinds of forms to read this book. And thank you for having me.